2: Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our
1: recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mix Club page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com.
3: Welcome to Celine's Salon. Step right in where you belong. Share a poem or sing a song. It's open house, so why not come along? Hello, it's Celine Salon, our August show. And I am so happy uh, to be actually in Broadwick Street, Soho Radio. Very, quite glitzy. I feel like I'm in sort of like Soho Hollywood. It's quite amazing, really. I feel very posh. Um, as you know, we have been doing it with my lovely uh, Gary Salter from uh, a little recording room on Great Pulteney Street. And um, it's great that every all the other people on Soho Radio have kept up with doing shows from home and holding the torch for Soho Radio and, you know, giving people something to listen to and take their minds off. What I consider a very odd time, so I'm quite relieved, as a Soho resident, um, to be out and about and seeing people. And it's Costa Dal Soho with the alfresco. Yippee! Clinking of glasses and chitter-chatter and everyone smiling, so hey-ho. So we have a lovely, lovely show. Um, we
1: have... Mickey Beans. Good morning. Uh, hello. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it is morning, it's like afternoon, unlike no yeah. me.
1: That's the Soho thing. The other, morning. the other day, I said good morning to my neighbour, and I realised it was two o'clock in the afternoon. I was like. Yeah. Mm, okay. Anyway,
3: we'll be talking to Mickey in a little bit. Um, and we also have Marie Prani. <laughs> Prani, alors. right. En fait, I've got a frog stuck in my throat. How are you, my darling? I'm really good. How are you? That's a very strange French accent, I have to say. (laughs) We will be talking to Marie later. What an exciting interview. And we have Mark Wallinger. Hey, Mark, how are you doing?
2: I'm good. How are you doing, Celine?
3: Lovely to see you, my fellow neighbour. Indeed. I look forward to talking to you a bit later. Okay, all right. Celine Salon, best radio show in Soho. Okay, so um, I was really sorry to hear the sad loss of superb, talented, ultimate singer Denise Johnson. Denise sang with bands including New Order, A Certain Ratio and Primal Scream. I'm dedicating today's show to her. So let's kick off with moving on up. Primal Scream, bring it on. It's Celine (laughs) Salon, Knickers, knackers, knockers. Well, I'm so excited. We have Mickey Beans as our first guest. Hey, Mickey. Hello, how are you? I'm good, my darling. Lovely to see you all summery and bouncing. Oh, thank you. Thank you for... um, (laughs) Not bouncing, you know. I haven't
1: stopped bouncing during lockdown, actually, just between the four walls and I, really. (laughs) But uh, thanks for having me, because it's uh, interesting doing a socially distanced radio show.
3: so lovely mickey is an amazing composer musician Mm -hmm. and she also has her very own show on boogaloo radio which i've had the privilege of being a guest yes and you have a huge array of interesting musicians people from all walks of life
1: basically it's anyone i pick up and i go out (laughs) not anymore oh yeah i remember when you had the local dustman on there (laughs) (laughs) near enough near
2: enough
1: (laughs) trying to find a husband for a radio show Yeah, the Greek waiter <laughs> woke up with a kebab
3: on your forehead. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> um, as we are all aware, another... And I also dedicate the show to this wonderful man, Ennio Morricone. 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 I need to do the Italian I <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah. Should have had a gelato before I said that. Um, and um, to my delight, I was blown away when we started talking about him. Yes. And I was probably like properly amazed when you said that not only had you met him yes you worked with him can we let's yeah we'll talk about that in a little bit yeah. but I just want to talk more about you and your background because you're a multitude of talents
1: <laughs> well I literally just I came from uh, the daughter of basically a nurse and a and a, and a and a railway man and they were farmers before that born in the 30s island, so definitely no nepotism going on there when it comes to what I've done with my uh, life but um Yeah, I've just... I started playing piano when I was eight because my mum uh, heard on the ward that somebody else's daughter was doing piano lessons, but she didn't tell me what it was. And she said, come round to this... I'm going to bring you to this house, and you're going to be... are, Are you going to be there for half an hour? And if you like it, then you can stay you don't like it you can you can never go back again and I was thinking what the hell so we went up this this street and I rang the doorbell and then this like Dame Vera Lynn woman like real cockney like (laughs) hair perfectly set like 40s dress you know and really well done face you know and all you could tell the cream powder sort of thing and then she was like um come on in come on in and I was thinking what the hell's going on here it's not like Irish dancing because it's somebody's house and I turned the corner and there was a piano and my first she started teaching me how to play ragtime and wow. um and i went for 10 odd years and i went before school i even went my mum was ill with cancer when i was younger my brother used to cycle me there before school so that i could still keep up doing my piano and um i did all my grades and i loved going to see her but um her name was joan worth and she was amazing she was really cool and i, I uh, love
3: those like old i remember when i was little i got went to a private ballet school for a little bit and the the woman who owned it was her name was Biddy Pinchard. <laughs> she came <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <Lord> in, morning, <gold>. girls. <laughs> And then my mum got me out of
1: there when she caught her with a flask of whiskey, and she went, a oh. posh voice went, all right, straight up. Well, the thing was, my mum thought she was <laughs> a bit of an out. My mum thought she was a bit of like Miss Haggart, Haggert, Haggerson, <laughs> Haggerton? Haggerton. Well, what was her name? Haggerton. Hag, you know, from Annie. Yeah. And then I realised years after my mum died, I bumped into her in Sainsbury's in South London, and she had, she properly had Parkinson's, so I felt, mum, <laughs> you, oh. were, you were well out of all those <laughs> She was an so but. So from your early days of, what, what, Happened and then you um, progressed. And then basically what happened was I had m- amazing siblings. I grew up around doing Irish dancing since I was 18 months old, dancing to live musicians, like piano, accordion. You'd have to go up and ask them for the songs and everything. So you're immediately immersed. As you're up, when my upbringing was just, uh, it's just music from day one, even though my parents they couldn't they didn't play music because i think they were working too much as workers if you know what i mean in their home and you know my dad came over here at 15 but didn't have time for music in that sense but i was always brought up um around it and immersed in it it's like it's like breathing to me basically so um I've, i've always knew i wanted to do something but i didn't know what and i and my parents i went to like a, not an amazing school in South London. Actually, John Humphrey said it was the worst school in England, and there's actually a documentary about it, and it's closed. But um, they supported me because they could see I love music. And, um, and I just knew I had to do it somehow, but I never went to tech school. I never went anywhere that people get guided. I just... Sort of taught my. I just followed myself and.
3: Can I just ask you, like, you know, with the current uh, curriculum right now, they're really mm. trying to get rid of arts and. Man. But you know, I played the violin for eight years at school. And- that's what you just express, like encouragement and
1: helping yeah we don't get that as much in in a state school do we no and the thing was my school had so limited resources and i was ill the day that they allocated school instruments and i got the bloody flute and i wanted the drums but uh, there was only like six six instruments to go around out of the whole of our year basically yep. but um I didn't know... I was just recently diagnosed with ADHD this year in January and um, I've been waiting three years for a diagnosis. But I've been trying to make sense of why I was, like, amazing at school and why I was, like... Grade A student at everything, sport, football, blah blah blah, music, everything, without even trying. And like I remember at school, people used to say that. And I was talking to the psychologist, and he said, "Your mum, as a pediatric nurse, she probably she she probably saw that in you, but facilitated your energy. Um, And music was my focus. And yeah, I think people are more aware of mental
3: health problems or diagnosis." Whereas, you know, if you think back in the 70s... No, or, exactly. There's, or even earlier than that, there were kids that didn't even know what was wrong with... You know, which is quite scary, and they didn't have... Well, they could just the give help. them medication,
1: and the yeah. thing is, though, that's why with, like, um, yeah, what you're from saying at m- like state schools, yeah. Um, if they don't have the resources, there are lots of kids that have that. I mean, there's probably loads more when I was going to school, but they just didn't have maybe the same kind of parents as I did, where they were just invested in making sure that I wasn't aware of being that, different, if you know what I mean, in that sense.
3: I think art therapy is really important. Yeah, and I think therapy, it, it's yeah. proven to work for any age group, from a kid to an elderly person. Anyway, um, moving on, to, you know, so, you you know, you left school. Yep. And, you know, you were obviously trained trained musician
1: did you go on to music I wasn't no I I was trained only by going to Miss Worth okay but I didn't go to any I didn't know my parents we didn't I didn't grow up in an area where my parents were we're not middle class people where you'd be like you could you go to this place because it would be really good to hone your skills here it's like they didn't understand the concept of going to be a musician and studying it if you know Mm -hmm. what I mean um, so I I joined King's College because um, I got in just at the, by the scrape of my teeth, but my mum had just passed away. I ended up doing psycholinguistics and ethnography because it, it was the only course I could do in London so I could move out and live in Russell Square, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never really went. But um, I just followed my music. Made me. I got a job in Camden Market, and then because I was like, that was where I thought that's where I need to be for music, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then lo and behold, like my first day working there, I went to the good mixer afterwards, and then this guy was like, he's he's older than me, boo, but he's about ten years older than me. He was big, strong, Birmingham accent, and he goes like, somebody says you played the keyboards. Got rehearsal tomorrow, and I just went went there and. Uh, joined that band and then from that band i got asked to play another band ali love which was signed by sony and then as that sort of disbanded um larue came along and asked if um you know i uh, um, i could play so it's kind of just um meandering through life really and i just following where i knew i wanted to be to do music and you've been with larue for a lot yeah yeah for about uh 11 years now i think it is but um but the, but the current situation with like coronavirus and everything obviously it's changing yeah. um, how things are and I'm um, you know it does make you think about other possibilities with music like whether I'd, it's whether we will be able to go out gigging and touring like the US tour was just cancelled but like can you actually do that physically with like yeah. you know Frank Turner played Clapham Grand last night, I think it was to 200 people, where it's usually a 2,500 so like capacity. Cabaret seating and all of that kind of thing, which I it? like, but yeah. you can't have overheads. You can't no. pay in, you know. So it's such a, even just the building alone.
3: But um, yeah. anyway, let's go on to Mr. Maracon. Maragon. come on, spill the beans, Miss
1: Beansy. Well, basically, he I swiped her right, and so did he. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> and it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> no, um. Um, an ex of mine was um, filming in Rome um, with Giuseppe Tonatore, who is the uh, director of the wonderful Cinema Paradiso. But what I failed to mention was, well, actually, when I was eight, my brother, Eamon, plays guitar, and I was playing recorder, and he said, come upstairs, and I want you to listen to this song, and you've got to play this on the recorder, and it was the theme tune of My Name is Nobody, but um, uh, and it's also the, the uh, lead titles of Nighty Night, you know, Julia Davis. Yeah, and. I was obsessed with Ennio Morricone after that, from the age of eight. And little did I know that when I was sitting with my brother in his tiny, like, bedroom floor in like South London, that about how many years later, like twenty years later, I'd be s- sitting in Ennio Morricone's front room, him playing, asking me to play the piano for him. And um, I went round to his house and uh, uh, went up in a lift with loads of plants, and it was right by the Coliseum. And I didn't know what was. Going on because it was a surprise because they knew how much I loved Ennio Morricone, mm-hmm. and the door opens and he's standing there like with his roll neck glasses, trousers, and I was just like, "What?" NB, I was like, "You look like Ennio Morricone, but you look better in real life." I <laughs> but but you gonna uh, say just slippers and a sock? No, no, his wife, oh, his, hi. his <laughs> <what>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just an apron was <laughs> a no, but um, smoking his, a bit of spaghetti. <laughs> 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 but he, uh, he, he, I know his, his wife was there. She's really cute. She had a little pin, pinafore and these little moccasins. And she went in the next room and was watching the equivalent version of EastEnders, but Italian EastEnders. <laughs> but, um, he, I was with my ex at the time, and his agent, who's from, who obviously came along just for that he could just drop that in while he's like having lunch in uh, Los Angeles when he goes back. <laughs> um, and, and I you know, could tell, and he had no interest in them whatsoever. And he, he said to me, um, why why do you, why are you interested in seeing me like cause it, and then i just said to i told him i was like about me playing with his, like my brother his song and he was like really like he got really fun cuz i i could tell i was being uh, like you know i was blown away but i was just really got into sort of have been able to talk to him you know and uh, he said come with me come with me and like left the other two sitting in the room and he said what would you like to see and i said um uh, I was like, I'd like to just know how you write music. Like, you know, because I love music and film. That's what really got me into my own music was watching Edward Scissorhands and Seven Dwarfs and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, um, and yeah, and basically what happened was uh, he just showed me all of his manuscripts for his favorite for his films, his awards, um, BAFTAs and various Grammys and his trumpet, which was his first instrument when he was six. And then he asked me, um, can you play the piano? Or, like play a piece for me, so I played a piece I wrote when I was sixteen, and then he said the piano is my least favorite instrument. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Well, lucky I've got me recorder." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it was a great day and something I will cherish for the rest of my life, definitely. Mickey, I want to say thank you so much for coming onto the show. No worries. When Thanks for you having on, me. When is your next
3: Boogaloo Radio so everyone can check it out? Um, I'm
1: I, at the moment. I'm sort of rerunning ones from last year because I had such great guests, and I'm getting bored of. Sitting in my flat and listening to the trains go past and having shit Wi-Fi, basically, so that all my calls get dropped out. So reruns are good, so I'm not too sure, but it's Mondays from 4 to 6.
3: Lovely. And... Yes. Yes, well, I'll be seeing you very soon. Yes. Me
1: on mucker. And um, <laughs> are you, are you going to be playing a song? I was about to say, what what is your <laughs> chosen song, my love? OK, it's, it's my fault from the film My Name Is Nobody and two minutes, 31 seconds... All of the hairs in the, world, in the world that are listening will stand on end. It's the most amazing, amazing track. It's only four minutes long. I wish it went on longer, but should have asked him that when, he, when I was in. <laughs> Sorry, I'll give you do another minute on that. Yeah, yeah. Can you copy and paste? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, okay, thank you so much. No worries. Thank you for having me. Voilà, c'est le Céline de salon, une émission de poésie.
3: So, in all of the weirdness of the last few months, and Soho almost like a spaghetti movie, minus the cowboys and the saloons, but windy streets and tumbleweed, I ventured over to Golden Square. And to my delight, I was face to face <laughs> with the lockdown worm. I'm even more delighted to meet Marie Reny who's a visual artist extraordinaire. Um, To go through everything you've done, we need like a three-hour show. And um, aside from working alone, she collaborates with her partner, Ollie, and hence Dolly Ollie being born. Um, So let's get straight to where the nitty-gritty. I want to know where it all began and a bit more about you.
0: Um, where it all began, it began. I met Ollie about 20 years ago, and I thought, Oh, he's nice, <laughs> we could do stuff together. And then about 10 years ago, we started Dolly Ollie and <laughs> <boy. laughs>
3: Dolly Ollie, love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs>
0: And basically, we were just like, we we wanted to cheer up public spaces because it's a bit grey out there and it's a bit serious. Oh, my God, we need people like you. Yeah, just to put a smile on people's face and, like, colour and comic and large scale. The larger it is, the more effect it can play with our perception.
3: I have to say, in London, a lot of people look like they're sucking lemons naturally, don't yeah, they? Yeah, what's
0: going on? There's yeah. no need for it.
3: Yeah. They need a Dolly Ollie, don't they, love? They need
0: a Dolly Ollie. The bigger, the better. (laughs) (laughs) There's some buildings everywhere.
3: This is a lunchtime show. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, moving on swiftly. So, okay, you were saying about definitely we do need more of that.
0: We need more of that in in the last few years. London has got greyer and greyer. And gentrified, and I don't think you see that as much in Soho, but on the outskirts, definitely, of, of London, especially yeah. East London, that's where our studio was. So we started there, yeah. putting things, sculptures all over the place, on roofs, on railway so stations. Is it kind of like
3: guerrilla art, where you, do you run around with balaclavas and go, oh,
1: don't look right now?
3: <laughs> do you know what? When we've been putting them up, it is
0: a little bit like Gorilla Art, but nobody's kind of stopped us. I love that. They kind of smile, they kind of get what we're doing, and they go, we get a little wink, like, go for it.
3: I have to say, it's always been one of my, one things I've wanted to do, like, you know, putting massive projections on, like, buildings, I don't know, just a bottom with a smile on. Like, morning! Just <laughs> love that! <laughs> or oh, wow. <laughs>
0: Imagine going for your morning coffee and there's a big smile going, Morning, how are you? <laughs>
3: Yeah. And, you know, sort of aside from obviously wanting, you know, what influences you as an artist? What kind of gets you going? Your flowing, ju- creative juices flowing. I think it used to be, I used to get really angry when I used to go
0: around my environment and there was a lack of colour. And on my PhD, I was interested in how visual diversity has degraded in the last 10 years with technology we see more grey, black, white. And the other colours are like doomed us, bad taste or bright colours, naive. And I'm just like, colours really affect us yeah. in a huge amount of ways, emotionally, happiness. And when you just keep seeing grey all the time, it does set in depression and stuff yeah. like that. And that's what started me. And I think when I see a really grey or negative area i'm like i'm gonna cheer this place up i'm gonna do something
3: i have to say i really enjoyed what you um sent my way to have a look at from the long legs to bake being it was just all like really <laughs> surreal and what i really loved was the dance I incorporated you with like performance art can you tell me a little bit more about that yeah, so my background, I'm i am a mixed
0: bag, so I studied like fine art and photography, and then I did theater and dance. So I was trying to combine everything in one. So I was building installations with performers stuck in, let's get your imagination going now. I think I built like red hay, hay um, little walls that they were stood in. I put <laughs> Ikea things on their head so they couldn't <laughs> move. and. I wanted to, I'm always going against what a convention is. So with dance, I wanted to break the rule of the gesture. So in ballet, you do a plie. Yeah. So mine was more hysteria. So it was like breaking a rule. I really liked the
3: energy and it was like having Queen on there and like like plant pot feet and this kind of like, what's the word, being constrained but not in a way. It was really cleverly, the choreography was beautiful as was the art piece itself. And if people want to look at your work, can they go on to...?
0: Any- yeah, so they could go on to my website, which is www.mariebrannis.com, or they can have a look at Dolly Ollie, which is www.dollyolly.com.
3: And I am so lucky that I'm going to be coming to your studio on Friday. Yes. Can you tell me, are you allowed to expose what's going on in the studio, in the magic workshop of your world?
0: Yes, so at the minute, I've just messed up my wall because I'm not a perfectionist worker. I've got to paint it all up again. But I've got this big black horse, which I've just covered in tar. I wanted a nice spray paint just behind it. And it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the real life of an artist. You obviously know yourself, you try something. So it's just going back to that and... Redoing a little bit, and you've travelled quite a bit with your art, haven't you? From all all over the
3: world, you've been. Yeah,
0: I was in Hong Kong last year. Germany, I was very popular. The gay theatres in Germany really like the dance performance stuff. So I'm just thinking
3: about your surname then. (laughs) 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 Sorry, (laughs) talking about. Yeah, my
0: surname's German. (laughs) All right. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe that's why they like me, because of the just, surname. Yeah,
3: just, for me, it looked really French. Like, bonnet, bonnet. It does look French. Oh, OK. So, yeah, travelling and doing lots of shows in Europe as well. You've been in Spain and...
0: Yes, Spain, Italy, Germany. I had quite a few things cancelled in lockdown. So I had I was a solo show yeah. at Elephant booked, which is um, White City in June and I should have been at the other art fair in March at Old Truman Brewery. Well,
3: we we will be promoting when you do have your one-woman show, one-person show, and whatever. And for you and Dolly Ollie, are there other pieces that you've got secretly waiting to come out? Oh,
0: yes, there is. There's a a piece ready at the minute. We're just trying to find the right space to put it. (laughs)
3: It could be over there. <laughs> It'd be perfect, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, Marie, thank you so much for coming on to Celine's Salon. And obviously you're a neighbour too, so I get the privilege of seeing you on a social level and having fun because, trust me, this one is a good old laugh. Uh- <laughs> um, you have a song that I've asked you to, your, one of your favourite songs. Would you kindly introduce, please? It's Absolute Beginners by David Bowie. Thank you so much, Marie.
2: Hello, good morning, good afternoon. It's Celine Salon.
3: Art it is today. We've had some uh, lovely guests so far, and I'm so excited to welcome onto the show Mark. Wallinger. I was going to about say, is it Wallinger wallet? You know, like, is it's it Bowie? But yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Well, thank you. No. <laughs> 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 to be careful these days. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah oh, no, I'm not just my just
0: bloody man, man. I'll have your
3: all. <laughs> so um, yeah, we're, it's, we're, it's a very art-based show, and I think during lockdown it was quite interesting um, to see how many people that aren't necessarily artists were doing like online art drawing classes. Writing, it became quite a creative hub, which I found quite interesting. And I'm not here because we know the amount of lovely work you've done, and I don't want to be the same you like, oh, you yeah, did the fourth yeah, plume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know you've got a marvellous... TV whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Headbutt the microphone. Um, but I was really, really interested and curious as it, uh, for you, as an artist who um, paints and um, does sculpture, in the eyes of walking around and also being a Soho resident. Um, yeah. It was,
2: look? well, it was extraordinary. Um, I mean, I think the contrast in Soho was probably more extreme than, than other parts of, of London, you know. so So the quiet and the, you know, what the hell happened, you know, that was kind of unnerving for a couple of weeks. But then it did give you a kind of freedom, you know, everyone was literally and metaphorically at, at arm's length uh one was allowed out for exercise that and and that became precious and then i think yeah i think there was an outburst of creativity i mean i think everyone was thrown back on their own devices and uh looked into themselves a bit more and and found things to do and a different way of of, of being for those those weeks and months. I mean, it was quite a precious time in, in, in a way, you know? Yeah, um, I remember
3: you saying to me, I really I enjoyed lockdown because...
2: Yeah, I mean, I was just talking those- to Mickey, and, and I think it was... Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, noise, professionally, socially, uh, and everything that was, you know, abstracted out of uh, life. And... And you kind of lived for the moment. It was, you know, as we remember, the weather was extraordinarily beautiful throughout. And so, and I think probably uh, out of fearing, thinking too much about the future and this strange, awful new world, Mm -hmm. people had to kind of live in the moment more. And I think that was quite, uh, that was quite interesting. And then then I kind of, so I've been going my walks, you know, uh, St James's Park was... Really unbelievable that yeah, the birds and the creatures were so tame, you know. We I had mean, that. Yeah. yeah, I was sat on a bench one day and there was a squirrel coming towards me from some way off, but I sort of knew he'd end up jumping up onto my lap, and he <laughs> did, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I touched his nose and I was thinking, well, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know? That's like something out of a fairy tale. It, it, it was a bit, you know. Oh, Beatrix uh, Pothead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
3: then. Well, um... oh, it was not Beatrix Pothead, You <laughs>
2: <laughs> Perhaps more so, yeah, yeah. And. Uh, yeah. And then one, I think it was Easter. Yeah, it was Easter Sunday. Uh, <laughs> uh, Laura, my partner and I, we'd, we'd walk down to Trafalgar Square, and virtually no people, no traffic, and the light on all the Portland stone. It looked so beautiful. It looked like a kind of uh, one of those Renaissance ideal city paintings. And, yeah. And, and I started taking a panoramic shot on the iPhone. And then when I looked at it later on, I. I'd, I'd, I'd panned sort of left to right and, and there was this lone cyclist who mm-hmm. was whizzing in the opposite direction and, and he had this... Tr- he showed us this one truncated little ball of energy, which a bit like a, you know Italian futurist thing, you know. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, this is interesting, you know. And so I started playing with the panorama function, you know, cos it is... You know, you're dealing with time in a lot more... Um, uh, ..tactile kind of way... In a way, and and I discovered that it, yeah, one could do interesting things, um, and you know, time was both seemed to stretch out before us and be heavy on our hands and all the rest of it, and and just there was a different rhythm, weren't there? There were some pe- pedestrians, there was a lot more cyclists, and then this regular procession of largely empty buses, you know, and 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 so there was something about all that that I I found myself trying to. Capture a bit just going around and taking photographs. That. Yeah, I,
3: yeah. I had a few nights on, in Trafalgar Square just after sunset, and some of the, it was like being in a painting. Yeah. And you could really look at Nelson's column and the detail of buildings. And, yeah, and I found up. myself
2: just staring at the, you know, because we're sort of in traffic most of the time, aren't we, during a yeah. during day? And we know how to kind of, um, you know, all those cliches about people stopping at the top of the escalator, they're obviously out of town, there's all that kind of thing. But, but, even I became rather fascinated with Oxford Street because it served no function whatsoever and it became a little bit of a sort of playground. And I remember one day walking along and I actually did a kind of double take because the road dips and then climbs past Selfridges going west. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and, and I'd never noticed that before because you generally just head down. The, the whole topography of London just becomes... I noticed it when I was sat on my and it was bike. Like, it was like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, And things yeah. like that. So it, it was a bit like being... Uh, just examining, yeah, your habitat, really. Yeah, yeah. In a different way, yeah.
3: And I think now even... Uh, in a way, I'm glad it's slowly coming back. It's not like... Yeah. The chaos might... Yeah. And I think there's that thing, you know, it takes three months to change a person's like you know... That th- and it it has changed people. It has, You know, people has. I've seen. You
2: know,
3: yeah. As you're fully aware, Soho has become like Costa, so- <laughs> Costa Dull. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's you know that, vo- but again, it's still that you know. Yeah, I felt a really bit,
2: kind of edgy people- that first weekend, but yeah. I'm, I'm getting getting into that now. I mean, it's yes, it's still kind of like you turn turn a corner, tables and chairs everywhere. And it's just like, well, yeah, it is. Yeah. Where am I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And
3: out of curiosity, within the, the lockdown, is there any inspirations for other pieces of work that might come out of this? When I say the word sculpture. Yeah,
2: kind of... I mean, I kind of, I, you know, I did works for various, uh, you know, a couple of auctions and something for uh, an NHS respite room and things like that. And, and actually, so it pushed me to actually making things that uh, probably wouldn't have happened otherwise and I've started making these plasticine paintings or well, revisiting something that had just been lying around for you know eight, eight years and and um, yeah and so that's been quite quite exciting so I'm, I feel like um it's a bit like I'm having a residency in my own city you know so so it, it, it's it's strange but it's kind of free at the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah
3: Well, I have to say I really it's I think it's art journal I saw your photographs in. People can go oh, on. The light. art newspaper. The Sorry, art newspaper, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. people uh, do check out yeah. Mark's one quite haunting and ghostly. There's something like this sort of wispy spirit going by. It's like capturing like the ghosts from lo- yes, and a modern yes. day bus. Um, very, very beautiful pieces of work.
2: Okay, yeah.
3: And, yeah, as a fellow resident, you know, you, you love Soho. Yes,
2: yeah.
3: W- w- where are your favourite haunts? I know Bar Italia is one. Bar Italia, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> I, well, I used to be there pretty much every morning for uh, my coffee and bacon roll. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I suppose I'm clubbed up a bit, sort of Soho, Groucho's, uh, Quo Vadis. Yeah. The Academy I haven't been to a very long time, but... Um, uh
3: Which will be reopening in September.
2: Oh that's good. That's so good. Pop
3: up and say hello okay. to me, can't you? Okay, we? I can, I can.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm very fond of Jeremy's cooking at Covada's. I love yeah, Jeremy yeah, Lee. Yeah, ge- yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: See food for me is art and yes, a...
2: yes, yeah, yeah. Um and Yeah, Ferris various...
3: Actually I've heard Jeremy Lee's got a show on Soho Radio now. Oh has he? Yeah, is that right?
2: I'm just asking the same oh, Okay. All right, right, right.
3: So, Mark, check it out, yeah. I want to say thank you so much for popping in and saying thank hello, you. and I can't wait to see what you do. I love your work. I think you're bloody brilliant, if you <laughs> don't, I'm saying so. <laughs> and I've asked you to choose one of your favourite songs.
2: Yeah, I chose this because... Uh, um, actually, Claire from this station uh, was talking about Bateman Buildings, or somewhere around there, was uh, where Bowie and Lindsay Kemp kind of... Oh.
3: Oh, my friend, he, yeah, my friend yeah. David lived in David Jones's original flat. Oh,
2: really? Above ah. the strip joint. Oh, really? Ah. And he
3: moved there in the seventies, sorry, l- early eighties, and was still getting mail for David Jones.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Okay, okay. And so, I mean, I'm of the generation. I mean, even the cover of like um, Ziggy Stardust. I also know it's Head and Street, but I was just thinking it was Soho. But, but, so Soho. So, so, connection and just because uh, they very held the promise of something uh, more interesting and perhaps exotic in, in life and, and I just remember that song that I used to take my radio cassette player to school and uh I remember playing that in the playground when I was about thirteen or something <laughs> and, and just like whoa this is yeah <laughs> extraordinary. Yeah <laughs> So yes, yeah, so this is David Bowie and Life on Mars. Thank you, Mark. Okay, thank you. Cheers. It's a god awful small affair to the girl with a mousy hair,
0: but her mummy is yelling no, and her daddy has told her to go.
1: Bienvenue au Salon de Céline.
3: Oh no, it's time to go. What a wonderful show. Um,
1: uh, thank you so much, Mickey. Yeah. It's such a pleasure to have you on. No, I really uh, really enjoyed coming in. The nice uh, studio, new studio in Soho. Thank you, my love. Thank you. Take care.
3: Thank you, Marie. Thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you, Céline. I loved it. Thank it's you. It's so lovely to hear about your work and what inspires you. And everybody, watch... This space, or every space, <laughs> and look out for some really wonderful, obscure, colourful, cheerful sculptures. And Mark, thank you for coming on to Celine Salon. Thank well, you, Celine. It's been thank a you. pleasure to it's chat been a with pleasure you. Pleasure
2: to be here. Yeah,
3: yeah. And look out for Mark's new works because they're going to be fabulous. <laughs> okay. Cheers, okay. Mark.
2: Thank you. Cheers.
3: Celine Salon. <laughs> So normally, on Celine Salon, we have a historical character that we dedicate to literature. But today, I am totally dedicating uh, Denise Johnson's Soulful Vocals, who is a proper Manchester girl, who worked with everybody, (laughs) from Primal Scream to New Order to the Charlatans. Um, The list goes on and on and on and on. But um, I just want to say... This lady has always made my day on the dance floor From the 90s to the... Wherever you go, you cannot help but be uplifted By her beautiful, beautiful voice So, here we go Praise me like you should And (laughs) I'm praising you, Denise Primal scream, go eat your heart out